0: I want you to think of a time that you failed at something, and I mean really failed, like <laughs> unmitigated failure of cataclysmic proportions so profound you felt like it touched your soul. Like it could be a relationship, a business venture, a product launch, anything, anything at all, but you got to think of something, okay? Actually got to think of something or it doesn't work. Okay, you got it? Okay, with that actual experience in your mind, would you like many of us say, you know, as much as I'd hate to have to go through that again, I'd never want to lose what I learned from the experience. Because that revelation is the foundation of being creative. That's the relationship between creativity and innovation and discovering the ability to face change with confidence. Because Failure is an opportunity to learn, and that's what being creative is all about, and that's what I want to share, and I'm glad you're here, so let's get started. That's why I don't really want to talk about my success in what I've done. I mean, I want to, because we all want to look cool, and sound cool, and smart, and powerful, and intelligent, and we view success as being proof of all of those attributes. But what if we took a longer look at failure, at the opportunities we have in life to learn about ourselves, about others, about our potential, and our resiliency, And those times in life we identify as being so rich and rewarding in their revelation that no matter how horribly uncomfortable and unpleasant there are, we'd still choose to go through them again because we recognize their value in our lives. What if we took a look at that? And in the looking discovered abilities we never knew we had, or we're able to approach our experience and education with new eyes and discover what that we're more, not less capable of facing the challenges of life and an uncertain future. Because let's face it, no, no matter what industry you work in, you know, every change is part of everybody's life right now whether it's disrupting your uh, the way you're doing business right now or changing the way that you have to do it or providing new opportunities to do it but you're you know you're not skilled in that new kind of platform or that new technology change is upon us no matter what stage of life we're in and as a culture we've gravitated to celebrating youth you know not as just an awesome stage of life full of possibility and potential, but as the pinnacle of who we will ever be. Why else are we consumed with looking young, dressing young, acting young? Like, when we were young, uh, we've gone through the least Uh, of these types of experiences, which if we come back to the beginning of where this conversation started means we've experienced less and therefore have fewer unmitigated failures to draw upon when we're looking for life lessons that can prepare or inform us to face the challenges uh, today. And hopefully, face those challenges with confidence and not fear and anxiety and stress. So, we're like tossing and turning all night long and like trying to self medicate ourselves through another day. This idea, I have to be honest, came to me as I was riding my bike. I was struggling again, with processing yet another failed attempt. And I don't know about you, sometimes when I get involved in a physical activity like uh, bike riding or hiking or something, the the physicality of, of movement, whatever, somehow seems to unlock my mind in a way that lets me think about things in a different way. So lots of times when I am Feeling this way, I'll just get on my bike and start riding. And as I that day, as I rode my bike, my mind was trying to find an example that would represent how I was feeling. And a memory came to me. I was watching the Summer Olympics in Brazil in 2016. I mean, I was watching on TV. And I never watch sports or really play sports anymore. But there's something about the Olympics. Uh, that really gets me I think it's that I identify with the athletes you know they're not gazillionaires like uh, so many are in professional sports they're more like uh, independent musicians like me I mean this is how I perceive them you know they train like crazy they sacrifice time and money to invest in this thing that they're super passionate about and I get that I share that experience in life and just like a musician that practices and rehearses and eventually gets up on stage in front of dozens or thousands wherever you happen to be at in your career it all comes down to a moment where you do your best and you hope it gonna you hope it turns out and that's what i love and so it doesn't even really matter what I'm watching. The Olympics are filled with so many sports that nobody knows anything about, like javelin and shot put and triple jump. You don't, you don't see these anywhere. Nobody, I don't know anything about it. Anyway, I was watching the women's bike race, and I've never watched a bike race before. Honestly, before those Olympics, I don't think I'd ever even heard the term Peloton. But anyway, I was watching and it was fascinating. Uh, and then the race got to this mountain, massive mountain climb. And, and I could, you know, as a bike rider on a bike at that moment as this memory is going through my head, I could totally picture how horrible that would feel. And I watched these two riders pull away from the pack, an American named uh, Mara Abbott and a Dutch rider named Annemiek van Vluten. And I only know their names because I wanted to tell you this story. So these two riders, they pull away from the peloton and they make a break. And they get to the top of the mountain and they start going down the other side. And the Dutch rider started to pull away. And then as she came around one steep curve into a bend, her bike flew out from underneath her. And she flew headfirst over the handlebars onto the pavement. And it was the kind of crash that made me sick to my stomach. Because it seemed like something that could leave her critically injured, paralyzed. I don't know. It was just terrible. But the, the American rider, Mara Abbott, flew by. Now, she's totally on her own. And she hit the bottom of the mountain where there's about, I don't know, 20 kilometers or something to the finish line. And I don't know anything about bike racing. The little I'd seen in the past had included, you know, I've seen riders taking turns riding out front while the rest drafting behind them. But I had no idea what an actual difference that makes so There's three riders behind Mara Abbott and they're all doing that drafting thing, taking turns leading. But they were, I don't know, 30 seconds behind and it seemed to me there's no way they're gonna catch her. And the cameras keep cutting back and forth between the leader and the group chasing her. And there's a counter on the bottom of the screen that showed how far to the finish line and how many seconds the chase group was closing as they all went. So now, I need to be honest. As a Canadian, of course, I always cheer for any Canadian in in any race. But there's no Canadian to choose from. Uh, And if there's no Canadian to choose from, uh, typically I go with cheering for anyone to beat the Americans because it's just the nature of growing up beside the big brother that almost always beats you. So it was super uncharacteristic for me to find myself literally cheering out loud yelling at my tv screen hoping that this american rider would make it to the finish line before she was caught and this chase pack they keep getting closer and closer and every time they'd show mara abbott you could see the veins and the muscles strained to their limit as she gave everything she had and then just when it seemed like she'd pull it off the other three speed past her maybe a hundred feet from the finish line it was so close, like, geez, I can almost get emotional, like, <laughs> thinking about this thing that happened years ago at thousands of miles from where I was, I, it was so close, you could just feel it as it slipped away, and that race really depressed me, which is, kind of hilarious that a stranger in a sport I never watch in a race I barely understand happening in a country thousands of miles, it affected me. And that day on my own bike a year later or whatever it was, that race came back to me as the perfect image for how I was feeling, giving in everything I have, digging deeper than I even knew I went, drawing on every bit of grit and willpower and positivity, and to have fallen short so many times, particularly in the last few years, that I'm not even sure I really even know what it feels like to win anymore. And that was when I realized that winning or succeeding is a very limited experience to share with others, because it is uniquely personal, where failing and discouragement is much more communal, more relatable, maybe. I mean, Oprah becoming a billionaire is inspiring, but do you relate to her? You know, we have our goats, greatest of all time superstars like Gretzky and LeBron and Federer, and, and they thrill fans, but can the rest of us really relate? And on my bike ride, I just knew the rider was an American. And when I got home, I searched the race on YouTube and discovered that Mara Abbott had actually done a TED Talk on the race. Now, I'm not sure if the winner did a TED Talk, but the one who lost did. The one who did their best and had it slip through their fingers literally just a few feet from the finish line, that's who did the story. Because that story, that experience, is one of those horrible, unmitigated failures that I ask you to think about at the beginning of this conversation because that experience is our connection. I mean, I've failed a ton in recent years, and I think it's time to have the guts or maybe the maturity to share what I've learned with others. And if you relate, (laughs) I'm sorry, because that means you've spent time At the bottom of the barrel, exhausted and embarrassed and pissed off and frustrated and sad and lonely and still decided that you'd get up and try one more time. Because what's the alternative? What does the future hold if you don't? I mean, I used to be a quitter because I I used to feel certain circumstances weren't, you know fair and i thought if i quit if i just sat down and cried or got mad or started freaking out and having a tantrum that people would see my point of view that they would also recognize that my life wasn't fair maybe someone would fix something for me fix anything or everything you know and and make them better help me up help me out that that went on for years until one day it dawned on me no one cares no one's coming Everyone is busy trying to navigate their own life, trying to overcome their obstacles and their unmitigated failures. But when I realized that no one was coming and no one cared, I suddenly realized that no one cares. No one cares how I get up. No one cares how I figure it out or how I try to figure it out. I can figure out. Uh, I can try to figure out life however I want. I can try as many times as I want. No one cares. No one's keeping score except for me. And if I can get off my high horse and be honest with myself, there's nothing that can stop me. I don't need to explain myself or excuse myself or justify my actions or failed attempts or occasional successes. I choose every day to try again, and if I can, so can you. And if we want to commiserate and share notes and tell stories, well, that's up to us. And if you won a gold medal at the Olympics, well, that's awesome for you. Congratulations. But if you tried your best and lost, I get you. I feel you. I share that experience, and I think you're someone I'd love to have the chance to talk to. So, you know, I'd tip my hat to you if I had one and <laughs> honor your effort, but yeah, I had to sell it last month to pay rent. Uh, anyways, this is what being creative is all about. This is the journey I want to share. Thanks for listening. Let's get started.